Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, Train Happy Troopers. My name is Tally Rye and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. Today's episode is a Q&A episode and I'm answering your questions that you have been sending in. This week we're answering two of your questions and as you know we normally have a Train Happy Trooper on our Monday episodes so listen out for that. So I just want to start this episode by saying if you do have a question or a Train Happy moment you would love to share then please do send in to our email address. It is trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. Now I'm not going to chat loads in the introduction, I want to get straight into the questions this week because I think there's some really good ones. So let's just get into it. Our first question this week comes from Neve, and uh, she says, how do you avoid self-sabotage and denial when it comes to overcoming diet culture? I recently found myself purposefully eating less but because I wasn't actually counting calories or macros, I tried to tell myself it wasn't the same as dieting. It's like I'm trying to trick myself back into diet culture. And I think this is a great question because I think a lot of us, when we first discover intuitive eating, when we're first kind of realizing the impact of dieting and kind of thinking that maybe this isn't the best way for us, we we kind of straddle the fence so to speak we want to keep one leg in diet culture and and one leg in in not diet culture I suppose and I think getting both legs over the fence is hard and it's a challenge and you know many of us are in that slightly limbo phase where we're kind of wanting to fully embrace intuitive eating but also completely terrified to let go of the desire for weight loss and of the I I think the familiarity of dieting you know of of engaging in those behaviors so I think it's really important to say that diet culture is super sneaky Neve um and there is a lot to unlearn so I want to thank you and want to congratulate you um for having this level of self-awareness that you realize that even though you want to ditch diet culture, you're still having these thoughts and are still um, having these patterns of thinking and behavior and that you're challenging those. And I think that is really important to have that self-awareness is such a great starting point. Um, So I really want to just congratulate you for that. So let's talk about why diet culture is sneaky and why we do trick ourselves back into old dieting behaviors and you know you know purposefully trying to eat less even if we don't think we're formally dieting so diet culture 
is having to shapeshift for, um, for I suppose the 21st century, but I think more so in recent years as um, intuitive eating is becoming uh, more mainstream, as a non-diet approach is becoming more recognized and recommended, that diet culture, you know, is is having to rebrand, is having to um, try and go with the flow and try and say like, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. So I want to just say um, that having awareness of that is, is important, but also you would be absolutely forgiven for potentially turning intuitive eating into another diet or falling for people who say they're promoting intuitive eating, but they promise that through intuitive eating, you will lose weight. And therefore, it is then becoming a diet. So how do we tell the difference between, you know, intuitive eating and a non-diet approach versus a diet? And it's quite simple. If the desired outcome of weight loss is expected or promised, it's a diet and it's in the diet mentality. So if the desired outcome of weight loss is expected, and I think particularly promised from a sense of if someone is selling you intuitive eating to lose weight, it is diet culture and that is you know us being pulled into the diet mentality so this is why the first principle of intuitive eating eating (laughs) eating as written by Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Resch the co-founders of the intuitive eating framework is reject the diet mentality and This is the first principle and the principles in themselves, there's 10 in total and they're not rules, which our diet culture brain wants to turn them into rules. They're not rules, they're guideposts. And I think Evelyn explains that beautifully in our uh, discussion on the podcast, which we had back in the summer. So if you go back to my episode with Evelyn Tribbler, you can hear her talk more about this and she explains it beautifully. But the... But however, despite them not being rules, the starting point will always be reject the diet mentality because that is the foundation of the intuitive eating framework. And that is essential to unlearning these um, thoughts and, and beliefs around food and exercise in our body. And it's a crucial part of, you know, being able to repair your relationship with food. So a lot of people find this bit hard because it is the hardest. As I said previously, dieting is familiar, it's comforting, it's, you know, for some some of us it's been a big part of our lives, it's been a big part of our identities and therefore it takes time to work through that. Um, it, it does. And, you know, there is absolutely no shame in still having those desires to lose weight, in still, you know, hoping that your body might be smaller. Um, 
because we are living in diet culture. Remember, diet culture is the norm. It is the sea that we swim in. So to have those thoughts is is really normal. However, recognizing, as you are, Neve, recognizing those thoughts and challenging those thoughts is where we start with rejecting the diet mentality. So as outlined in intuitive eating, um, this is how to reject the diet mentality. A broad overview, and you can certainly read more about it in Intuitive Eating 4th edition. Everything I'm mentioning here will be in the show notes, by the way. Any books, resources I'll mention, um, please check out the show notes and for further reading. So how to reject the diet mentality. Firstly, recognize and acknowledge the harm that diets do. Maybe dieting has been the you know gateway into an eating disorder. Maybe it has caused you to have a strained relationship with food, body and movement and that has caused you to miss out on other parts of your life. You know, maybe um, the, you know, the brain space that it takes up to, to live in diet culture, you know, to constantly be making mental calculations, to be, you know, weighing up, you know, mentally weighing up like, oh, can I eat this? Can I have that? I need to do this. You know, the, the feelings of guilt and shame that we feel around our bodies and around food um, is part of the harm that diets do. It also, dieting also stigmatizes larger bodies and reinforces fat phobia and weight stigma and, you know, upholds um, that oppression, essentially, that the way that we um, treat those in larger bodies um, is upheld by diet culture. And therefore, that in turn is also upholding that narrow beauty and body ideal that we're striving for. The second part of how to reject the diet mentality is to be aware of the diet mentality traits and mindset. So Neve, this is what you were chatting about. And this is part of rejecting the diet mentality is to be aware of those. So as you said, even though you're not tracking macros formally, you're not tracking calories, you're still making mental calculations and purposefully eating less. I did this for a long time before I truly understood what intuitive eating is and realized that there was, you know, a a framework that had over a hundred studies to kind of back up the work of intuitive eating and that it had been created by two dietitians and, you know, was based in evidence. Like I just thought intuitive eating was what you did when you didn't track calories and you didn't weigh your food. I thought that people who didn't track like, you know, use my fitness pal were intuitive eaters. But as you've rightly pointed out, that's not the case. And that despite, like, even if we're not weighing our food, even if we're not formally tracking, um, you know, calories or points or whatever it is, um, we're still in that diet mentality. And, you, you know, I too have been in that limbo period of, you know, deliberately eating less, um, even though I thought I was eating intuitively. So I totally relate to to this question, actually. Um, so other ways that you can be in the diet mentality are, you know, still buying like the low calorie version, low fat options of foods, you know, whether that be something like Halo Top ice cream and, um, you know, being 
fearful of the quote normal version of the food um not honoring your hunger so maybe you're still pacifying your hunger through you know just drinking water or chewing gum and even though you might not be deliberately dieting you're still not eating intuitively because we're going against our body's cues and intuition um and you know still being fearful of certain foods maybe that is you know still being afraid of carbs or you know in my case I was still afraid of things like white bread and white potatoes and all those sorts of things for a long time um despite you know not formally dieting there was a lot of stuff I had to kind of heal around how I viewed food and that comes later on in in intuitive eating so this isn't expected to all be done in reject the diet mentality but it's things to be aware of um and as I mentioned before you know calculating in your head even when you're not tracking so still you know totting up what you ate that day even if you're not inputting it formally into an app or you know even writing it down in a book are you still saying oh well I had this so I can't have that rather than listening to what your body needs and understanding you know what is right for you in terms of you know using your your body to help guide you in that process number three is get rid of the diet tools so that may be for you the weighing scales the scales that you step on to weigh yourself also might be the food scales now I did keep my food scales because I love baking and I you know like for recipes and things it's handy to have but I hide them at the back of my cupboard and um, they're not they're not staying out on the kitchen counter like they used to back in the day when I was doing macros. And you know I've spoken about this before on the podcast it might be worth in the process of rejecting the diet mentality and if you want to you know really embrace intuitive eating to take a break from your fitness tracker or watch and to just leave it off for a bit. Um, and you might not even bring it back. Some people may do for certain occasions, but as I've mentioned before, I think they are a real barrier to, um, to being intuitive. And, you know, we look at these watches and trackers for a lot of external cues to move or external cues to, you know, to tell us, you know, that we have to walk a certain amount of steps a day or complete a certain level, level of activity rings. And, um, that's not us trusting ourselves to make that judgment that's us relying on the external influence of a watch when as intuitive movers and intuitive eaters we really want to build that trust with ourselves so we can start to make those choices for ourselves and not because we feel we should do out of you know guilt and a sense of shame if we don't reach those activity goals if we don't reach those steps you know we want to we're we're switching the intention And, you know, I've also said in terms of getting rid of diet tools, thinking about who you follow on social media and um, getting rid of the dieting accounts on social media that reinforced maybe a lot of this diet mindset that, you know, the people who do say like, oh, you know, there's graphics on Instagram saying like, you know, these two things are the same amount of calories and whatever, like that's not going to be helpful if you want to really embrace intuitive eating and similarly if you've got your old diet books and recipe books and you know all those that sort of paraphernalia from dieting it might be worth um getting rid of them as well I think that's a really cathartic thing to do and the final one 
is to be kind and compassionate to yourself. And I really want to drive this one home because none of this is your fault. There's a bigger thing at play here. It's called diet culture. And, you know, we have been brought up with these beauty and body ideals that we feel that we have to reach in order to be valuable. And that is not your fault. Um, That is something that is bigger than you as an individual. And I really just want to drive that home. So just be wary that like this takes time. And I know patience is hard. I know we want to think like listening to this podcast, following some people on social media, maybe even reading the book. And you know, whether it's intuitive eating book or just eat it by Laura Thomas or the fuck it diet by Caroline Duna as examples or even my book um whilst it can really be a great catalyst for us wanting to make positive changes it can't do the work for us you know there's a lot of work and inner healing that needs to be done and it does take time and so I really want you to be gentle with yourself in that process and you know Neve, for you particularly just as I've said, like, just be really proud that you're having the self-awareness, that you're starting to realize these things and just know that you can, we're gradually challenging these things. We're gradually, you know, making these changes and um, rewiring these thought patterns. And so it's going to take a bit of time. If you think about how long you and everyone is different, everyone's experiences are different, but how long you have been in diet culture versus how long, you know, trying to make this change to a more intuitive approach then just be patient with yourself just be kind you know just be really compassionate to yourself and it's important to say that whilst there are a lot of tools like this podcast like the books I've mentioned you know you may need extra support on this journey and that's common and normal and you know recommended that's why intuitive eating counselors exist and you know I have an episode coming up in a couple of weeks with um a therapist who specializes in um disordered eating and eating disorders and just you know recovery from diet culture and I think we have a really great conversation about this so there's going to be in a couple of weeks more information on this so stay tuned for that episode coming out at the end of November um but there are some great people so whether it's looking for an intuitive eating counselor who is um a therapist who can help you deal with that underlying emotional um you know that emotional stuff going on that causes us to want to control our food and exercise in our body whether it's someone who's more um based on a nutrition approach a dietitian uh, an accredited nutritionist um there are, you know, there are a few different kind of angles you can work with, but everyone has the same training in intuitive eating counseling. So I think um, there are some brilliant people out there who want to help you um, do this and have support. And whether you're, you know, that's not necessarily an option for everyone financially, but are you able to find friends and someone who can support you on this process? That's really important to, you know, find community. And that's why I have the Train Happy Facebook group. That's what this podcast is about to kind of help, you know, support you and find like-minded people. So please use the Train Happy Facebook group if you're not already in it um, to kind of ask these questions or look for support and find other people going through a similar thing. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want to remind us all that we're all unlearning a lifetime of diet culture here. And 
To think we could do it in a few weeks is probably unrealistic and this will be an ongoing process. And with intuitive eating, it's not like a diet where, you know, you reach your goal weight and ta-da, you're done. It's, it's a process and, you know, with each new kind of month and year, you kind of learn new things and notice new things about yourself. So there's, yeah, there's a lot to constantly be learning and constantly be growing and evolving. And, you know, there's no exact end point, but it's the process and that's what it's all about. And that process is different for everyone. Neve, I hope this has been a helpful answer to your question. I recognize (laughs) that I went quite in depth there, but I really hope it's been helpful. On to our second question. Question number two this week comes from Madison. And she says, I have a question that I would love for you to answer in one of your Q&A sessions. I currently live with my parents and two younger siblings, ages 13 and 10. Like you brought up with Michelle Elman in your 17th episode, now that I know differently, I am picking up on diet culture everywhere, particularly in the way that my dad interacts with my siblings. It's in a lot of the little things. He'll see the amount they put on their plates and dinner and ask them if they exercise enough that day. He constantly comments about his own body and is doing intermittent fasting and once even suggested a family competition to see who could lose the most weight. I know that my dad was raised with these ideas about exercise and food and that he really means well, but I am concerned that my siblings are increasingly associating exercise with punishment, weight loss and anything but the joyful thing it should be. So my question is... If a child or otherwise very vulnerable person in your life is being taught diet culture by their direct authorities, such as parents, teachers, or mentors, how can you intervene without overstepping the boundaries? Madison, thank you for your question and thank you for your email. Um, It was, you know, I think a really valid, great question to ask and I'm going to do my best to answer it. I can't guarantee, you know, this you know, I suppose disclaimer that this is not a substitute for professional advice and I'm going to give maybe some thoughts, but I want you to just bear that in mind. And the same goes with the first question in today's episode and every question that I answer really. So in this instance with your dad, um, I think it starts with gently approaching him um, to challenge his beliefs and behaviors. Now, earlier in your email, the part that I didn't read out, you mentioned that you are also in recovery and, you know, from attempting to control anxiety with food and exercise. And I think I want you to be gentle with your dad and compassionate in the sense that I wonder if he might be doing the same. And, you know, that a lot of us, whether it's your dad, whether it's just generally people, and once again, this is actually discussed in the episode coming up in a few weeks, that a lot of us turn to controlling our food, controlling our weight, controlling our bodies because of ways to manage our mental health. Because the mental health stuff so difficult and a lot of stuff feels out of control that controlling our food and our weight feels like something we can control. So I want to just have 
that thought in mind when we're speaking about this and you know particularly with your dad um and I suppose one of my other questions is does your dad know about your experience um and you know if he knew that or you know if if he was aware that you had had a difficult past with dieting and and with food um would that potentially influence how he you know spoke about food and weight and and bodies um and and would that help because I think the approach with your dad is not one of shaming or blaming but gently part you know planting seeds that challenge his thoughts and behaviors and also by maybe sharing what you feel comfortable with with your dad in terms of your relationship with food and exercise um using that as an opportunity to set a boundary with your dad so you mentioned the episode with Michelle Elman where we discussed boundaries and for those who haven't listened to that episode I highly recommend checking that out um and Michelle discussed in that episode and I I think it's actually really important have a reminder that everyone is on their own path and um, not everyone is ready to hear about a non-diet approach, is ready to hear about intuitive eating or is ready to to challenge their beliefs around weight and health and food and bodies. But by having a you know, gentle conversation with your dad around these things, can you set a boundary with your dad to not discuss his weight and dieting in front of you as one of his children, as well as your siblings, the younger siblings who you are concerned about? I think, um, is that a place where you could set a boundary? Because he might not be ready to stop engaging in those behaviours, but can you protect the younger people in your life by setting that boundary um and can you also you know through this gentle approach can you recommend books and articles podcasts you know things that he might be interested in um documentaries you know to to kind of discuss these things um you know something that could be worth watching as a whole family is the embrace documentary by taryn brumfit and i will link that in the show notes um and it's very much about embracing um diverse bodies and of all shapes and sizes abilities and it's a really great I think I think it's like quite a in some ways a family friendly I don't know family friendly is the word it does depict a severe case of um an eating disorder and I think it's really important to, to flag that but it does kind of have this it's an easy watch in the sense of it's an accessible watch I think that's where I'm trying to go with this it's an accessible watch um that you might be able to watch maybe your younger siblings might not be ready for it but at least maybe with your dad um and so I think that's where we yeah think about this it with with your with your dad and then how and you you know say how can you um protect the the younger people in your life and so particularly in your instance as being an older sibling um 
I wondered if you, as um, as that older sibling, are able to have the conversations with your brother and sister about, you know, saying, you know, talking about diverse bodies and uh, an episode you may enjoy is the episode with Molly Forbes, um, which we which came out last week when recording this, um, and she's a fantastic um, example of someone who is trying to change the narrative in schools and with parents through her work with hashtag Free From Diets campaign and the Happy Body Kids stuff. So I highly recommend that episode and her work. It is based in the UK and I know you're based in the US, but um, I think there's certainly crossover tools there. And, you know, one thing she spoke about and I, I thought was great was talking about media literacy with her children, but you know, even with the younger people in your life. So whether that is just saying like, oh, you know why, um, you know why to, to advertise a gym, for example, they've used a certain body shape. That's because, you know, of, you know, explaining diet culture and explaining that we're using these bodies to represent health, but that's actually just a narrow view of health. Um, I think Molly explains this better in our discussion on the episode, but I think that was a really great point to to start having these conversations with children. And so whether it's you listening to speak about, you know, with your siblings, but also parents listening to talk about with their children, um, Molly has some fantastic things to say on that. Um, I also think there's just ways that you can positively reinforce messages with those younger siblings. So, you know, having conversations with them and just constantly praising them on who they are rather than discussing what they look like or, you know, really focusing on um, them as people and, you know, really building their confidence as people rather than focusing on what they look like. And another, to point you in the direction of some more work that's brilliant with this is that of beauty redefined and we had Lindsay and Lexi kite on the podcast earlier this year to discuss to discuss this to discuss body image and you know particularly body image with um, children and teenagers and they have some fantastic resources so once again I'm gonna recommend them and link them and I think it's also about reinforcing that bodies do come in all shapes and sizes um, and that's really cool and you know talking about as a as the older sister talking about and being that example of um, you know not having to exercise to earn your food and you know eating enough that feels good for you and I think in some respects you know in this particular dynamic within your family one thing of just being an example of someone who is kind to themselves of someone who speaks well about their own body who who doesn't um you know constantly talk about food and and weight and all those sorts of things I think is actually really powerful just to have that example within that dynamic and so you know I think it goes to saying, as you mentioned, about teachers, mentors, and parents, that um, to have an example of someone in a person's life who 
you know, is accepting of themselves, who speaks kindly about their own body, but also of those of others, and who focuses on, you know, what people can do rather than what they look like is so powerful. And don't underestimate that. Um, So Madison, I hope this has been a somewhat helpful answer. I think I'm pointing you in the direction of of um, even greater resources than I am able to provide. But I hope that has been helpful. And I hope for those listening as well, that, you know, it we are thinking about how we can make those boundaries in our lives, you know, be an example. And when people are ready, and so in the case of your dad, like being that example for your siblings, but also for your your parents, I think is hard. And I don't want you to feel that you have to be perfect and you should be burdened with this idea of being perfect. But I think where you're able to and where you can have the, sh- the strength to, um, that is really powerful. And you'll, you'll probably be impacting more people than you realize. And I think Michelle spoke about that really lovely in terms of friendships where you know, she would have friends who would put themselves down and put their bodies down and she would never engage in that conversation because, you know, she um, she just didn't want to give it any more oxygen and how that spoke volumes to those people. And so, yeah, I hope that's a helpful answer. So Madison, thank you so much for your question. And if you would like to have your question answered on a future Q&A episode, um, we've got one more weekly Q&A episode and then we'll be back to doing Q&A episodes monthly. But if you would love to send those in, please send them to trainhappypodcast at gmail.com and I will do my best to answer your question and point you in the direction of more resources and more information. So thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe. Um, Well, I suppose this isn't YouTube, but please rate and subscribe, I think is the word. And I will speak to you next week. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 